What's up, guys? Welcome to another exciting edition of Real Estate Podcast, episode 326. I'm here with Griffin. I'm here with Trev. And I'm here with Adam. This week we watch Asteroid City. Asteroid City, baby. <laughs> What's up with this everybody's is... blue eyes? They were <laughs> fake. They were well, fake, right? Yeah. They look real. But, uh, I mean, it has to do with the, the whole painting aspect of it, right? Like, everything looked like a that hand, Campbell's, yeah, you know, the hand-grown. You know what I'm saying? The and, you picture know, you see I, in the doctor's office or the, yeah. in the office at school? <laughs> Yeah. You're talking about where the kids in the doctor's yeah. office? Yeah, dude, that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, beautiful. Like, I mean, you could, I've seen people, because whenever I was looking for the poster for it, people are taking still images from it and framing them. Everything's a poster. Yes, everything. That shot where um, Steve Carell is like, him and it's the the other guy and the kids looking at the land. Yeah, I saw somebody printed that off, like had it professionally printed off and framed it, and I, and it looks just like a fucking painting. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. just it's crazy. It's how he was able to capture that to a T. Is is kind of fascinating, but I will admit though. I feel like I need to watch this movie again because there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of like subtext, you know yeah. what I mean? There's a lot going on here. You've got the playwright and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then you've got the story itself. And then like the whole idea of like the dream sequence, like there's a lot to unpack here in this, in the last act of this movie. Dude, the alien was that a, <laughs> When they first go through there, it wasn't him. But when they go through the second time, I was like, that's a fucking uh, yeah. Mother Nature always finds a way. I can't think of his name. Yeah. But when that alien came down there, the way that it was looking, <laughs> with its little beady eyes, I was like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> oh, when he poses for the photo? Yeah. It's like, what the I just, fuck? I thought it was great when they did that, that little... It's almost like it broke the fourth wall within, without breaking the fourth wall. Because, like, it would have those moments where... <clears throat> where it would cut the, to the uh, play? Yeah. Yeah. And it was that moment where, you know, dude's leaving. He's going to, like, the guy that lives on set that, like, you know, he's the problem solver. And he goes yeah. to him. And, and, yeah, as he's making his way to him, you know, they pass the alien. And it's Jeff Goldblum being like, I don't know if I'm getting the character right. I just don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ray Donovan was there. Dude, that shit was fucking great whenever she, like, it shows them outside the showers and Chick walks up and then they're talking and they look over and fucking Walter's standing there and he goes, oh, I'm I'm not, this is, I, <laughs> and he just fucks yeah, off. Yeah. I don't think I've been there so well, it's like It's like the play itself's being poorly performed. Yeah. But, um, That speech that Jeffrey Wright gives. So what do they call the armed services for being here? We salute you. And he, you know, like he, he salutes like three groups of people. And he's like, first, I'm going to give him a speech. Whenever they bring out the, the protocol thing. Yeah. I don't so, know. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but like 
It was just the way he did the line delivery where he would be like, men danced under the palm fronts and blah, 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 blah. That was life in chapter two. <laughs> the the delivery the the way the dialogue was it it's very clever how he wrote it because like you you know you figure out like going through everything that it's a play and they're they're doing yeah. the play and stuff but like you know we've watched movies it's like oh this feels like we're watching a play play out you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i don't it's just there's so many well, all layers the, and, and all the awkwardness that comes with watching a play oh yeah yeah you know, those little brief, like, transitional moments where it's like, all right, we're going to another set. You know, you bear with us for a second. Well, dude, yeah. the way that it opens when that train gets there, the thing with the car, with the old house that oh. Jack built. He's like, oh, I don't know. We've God. never seen this problem before. Yeah. But when he calls his dad, and they're like, the shots are facing each other. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. just an awkward conversation. Well, I don't think it's his dad's yeah. wife's dad, right? Yeah. yeah. His father-in-law. Yeah. Just walking around with a gun in his pocket. Or he's just like, you never liked me. He's like, let's face it, you never liked me. And he goes, eh, I didn't love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but the, um, I think the hero of the film, though, has got to be the cameraman. And, like, rest in peace, all all the, the little pods that camera was sitting on, because... I felt like at one point they did a swivel and that thing took off like a helicopter because that, that, this movie was just panning all over the damn place. Like, I want to say like 70 to 80% of the shots at some oh, yeah. point, that fast swivel. Especially when they first it. got there. Yeah, And I know, that's, I know that's a signature in a lot of Wes Anderson movies, but I mean, it was in full force for this one. Yeah. Well, and the, the way that it lets you know whenever they arrive where the road is at. And most of the times when it's panning around, it's like it's from the perspective of a car going by. And to me, that was another layer. That was another, because there was that one shot where everybody shows up to the town and they've got like doom days and all that, you know, they've got the mm-hmm. Ferris wheel and all that yeah. stuff. And, and it starts on one side, you know, where everything starts at, and it just pans all the way across. But it's like sitting in the middle of the road, panning all the way across. You know, they're they're pulling it along down through there. And it's just, I don't know, it felt like you were a, a bystander. Well, like, you know, well, you know how, like, the, the, the play subtext to the film. It's almost like, you know, <clears throat> when you go watch those, you know, the more... The more, like, I would say from early college level on the, like, you know, Broadway or something, you know, a play that'll happen, especially it's a large production. Yeah. You know, you, the audience member, you're static, but, like, the stage is moving. Like, okay, we're going to go from an indoor setting to an outdoor setting. Camera closes or, like, spin it around or whatever. Well, instead of the play doing that, the viewer does it. Yeah. Which I'm sure there's some sort of like, you know, should have had a V8 dub McFly thing moment. But I mean, that's the best way I could put it together. Right. Yeah. It's, that's why I feel like I need to watch this at least once, maybe twice, because I mean, the whole time you're like, they, they pull you in with the whole alien thing, you know? Yeah. 
And the whole time you're trying to figure out like, what the fuck is with the, and then they pull in Ed Norton being all yeah. Ed Norton, you know, no. like, now, I've seen the movie twice, and I'll tell you, Griffin, it's going to probably take a third time because even with the second time, I'm still kind of scratching my head at some things. Right. But the the one thing that's, that, that, that stuck out, and I was like, it's not because of the act itself, but it's because I don't see where that piece fits in the puzzle. That whole, and, and it could be something very obvious that i'm overlooking because i even tried to pay attention to the, to the dialogue but when when the main character when it does that time like lapse or attempt where he's stuffing the paper in his shirt and he's talking to ed norton he brings yeah. him the ice cream you know all that stuff that shot ends with what seems like them like you know like like kissing or together or something like that yeah really weird don't know what that signified or what that meant. Well, and also there felt, it felt like that there was some weird, like drama slash tension between Ed Norton's character and Scarlett Johansson's character because of the notes and, you know, all that kind of stuff that was going on there. Now, could it, like the most I was able to pull out of my ass to be like, okay, maybe that's, this is, this is what this meant. Like was Ed Norton, and because that, that, that there was a moment where where Cranston, I think, is the one that explains it. But the main character of the play was supposed it was supposed to be almost like a autobiographical take on the writer. Yeah. Whom is Ed Norton? Yeah. So I'm wondering if that was like a display of narcissism, like. Like because he, yeah. like, he was essentially talking to himself, if that's the case, right? Right. Pretty. Yeah. Because he so, even comes in and he's like, you're perfect. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that you're perfect. Yeah. You're me, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That whole exchange. Yeah. So, and that's kind of, you know, because the character kind of had that very, had that very much narcissistic quality about him where he's like, you know, I always get my picture. It always comes out, you know, y'all, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from with that. And, um, yeah, cause it's because, well, because at first what I thought that that was, that implied was, it was like, okay, that's why you don't have a wife because she caught him. He, maybe it was a situation where she caught the husband, but being a homosexual, who knows, like some sort of weird, like little sub drama going on, you know? Right. But. Yeah, second time around, I was like, uh, he's because the second time around was when I was like, man, is he is is that him like kind of talking to himself in a way, like right? Well, in the way that that that's one of the only scenes of like the black and white section that ends with a fade, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost a situation because the whole dream thing and yeah, then well, everybody chanting and all that kind of stuff, and it's like. That was crazy. You can't, yeah, you can't wake, wake up, up if you don't go to sleep. You can't wake up if you go. Like, and I wonder if that's. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like you said, there's a lot going on. There was, there's a lot going on in this movie other than just the camera and frames. Like this was. This film was polished to a level 
of like serial killer level OCD where yeah. like, you know, you've got your like a, a perfect plate in front of you. The color is exactly where it's at. Yeah. Like everything is exactly like to like, like everything's proportional to one another. Like it's very Anderson is a psychopath. I'm a hundred percent convinced. Yeah, very even. Yeah. Nice to look like, at. Yeah, He's like I know, I, I know, like I know, symmetry's always been a staple for him. But right. like it, this one is just like he was. He he just opened the top of his head and just smeared the paper with his brain and was like, "That's that's movie." The way that I, the way that I kind of felt about the movie going into it from. I feel like the idea of the movie is it's him. It's an inception thing where it's like him within himself. So like, this is kind of how I took it. And this is why I want to rewatch it. It's like, he is the writer of the play, right? Wes Anderson projected himself or wrote himself as the writer to the play that wrote himself as the care, you know, as the character in the story. Yeah. And the Asteroid City play parts of it is very like you said it's it's perfect, right? Like it's it's everything looks perfect. Everything's perfect. I was even like even the way that the the signs were painted and everything is perfect. And it's almost like he has become known as this director that has this very distinct style and it's almost him like kind of putting his own, his own views about himself out in, in, in a way to where it's like, this is the most perfect West Wes Anderson that you'll ever get. And the most perfect West Wes Anderson thing that you're going to get is this play. And it's like that, that's kind of how it felt to me was like, He's the writer. He's trying to like bring these stories out with these characters and convey these messages and stuff like that. And there's all this other stuff going on around that influences that in one way or another. And that like it well, more or, Well to add well, yeah, and to add to what you're saying, like it's almost like the play aspect is perfect. Yes. Everything yeah. around the everything around the play, despite his signature style and tentativeness to and his attention to detail, it it showed you that like it's almost like some of the most perfect pieces of art are created by the most chaotic people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it, and it's like two it's like two different worlds of him. The play is like what we get, and it's what we see. It's what we consume. It's what we watch mm-hmm. and enjoy. And then you have the other side of it where it's like all this shit's going on, you know, all this crazy shit. He's trying to find himself, you know. And I think that that whole dream sequence that got cut out is a big thing because they kept referring to that, but that he cut it out of the play completely. And I felt like that that was almost like a commentary part where it's like either – he has this idea. He doesn't know how to formulate it and put it on paper. Or is it deeper where it's like, he has this idea, he's put it on the paper, but it's so out there and it's so weird that people won't finance it. 
You know what I mean? Well, or even 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 more leaning into like you can't really call it a parody or satire or whatever, but almost like the whole idea of the dream sequence being left out is kind of like, all right, it's if it's so perfect, then why does the audience still want more? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. why can't the audience be satisfied with what's on screen instead of, oh man, uh, there's a 15 minute sequence that we didn't get to see, you know, like, you know, like yeah. the things that, the things that have to be left up to like, you don't get everything. Yeah. With the experience of a film. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, I, and I mean, who knows, man, we could be driving this, this, this whole theory cart right off a cliff, but I feel like, I feel like that, that, that what we've been discussing is very much what's going on. Right. So, like I said, that's why I want to consume it a couple more times because there was like a lot of, a lot of these weird, like almost felt like, um, pop shots at not only the industry itself and, you know, filmmaking as a whole or being creative as a whole, but also kind of a pop shot to the audience as well, but in a good tasteful, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, it, it well, feels yeah, like, like it's, it steps back and it takes the audience, the, the product and the person behind the creation of the product and goes, you guys get excited over this. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, like, look at this. Like, yeah. this, like, oh, you, you love this spectacle of what's going on. But like in the background, you know, it's like, yeah, it's fucking Jeff Goldblum debating yeah, the nuances of a yeah. silent role. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a fully masked, you know, character. Like what? And at the end of the day, the writer was trying to express his feeling for like the first time he ever met his wife. But you get to someone like Jeffrey Wright's character, and you're just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah, like, it, like when it's doing that weird like cut to all these different people all reacting to different things, and it just cuts to him under the tent getting the thing goes, blah 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 blah. That's you know this that and the other he goes that belongs to Uncle Sam. Yeah, <laughs> he's panning around like he was probably my favorite character. Oh yeah, right. It was uh. It was very interesting. I, I really did enjoy it a ton. I mean, it was a beautiful movie. Um, I mean, we all, like, whenever you think of Wes Anderson, even though I've never seen an interview with the guy, or I don't think I have. I've never heard a podcast with the guy that I'm aware of. You think pretentious, right? Very. I watched a video with him, and this was a, a long time ago, but him and Jason went into a, like a record store to buy records. Yeah. This had to be like 99. Right. 98. So he's in there. Royal like Tenenbaum's yeah. time. Yeah. And he was straight Charles in it up, dude. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, I mean, and I think that that's kind of, you know, because I think that, you know, people go through these stages. Well, okay. Most people go through these stages of their life in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you want to be an artiste, you know, you want to be, and then at the end of the day, you're making these little funny pictures. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I think most people, you know, regardless of, of what their art is at, at some point in their life, they take a step back and they realize that like, this is kind of goofy. You know what I mean? Like 
I'm, yeah, I'm, well, almost I'm, like the outer edges of, uh, or early symptoms of, of what could be imposter syndrome. Like what, like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm making these, these goofy movies, you know, that people like associate these really, these really interesting things to me that like, I'm not the first person that's done this stuff, but you know what I mean? Like, mm. so it, it's a very interesting like it feels to me like this movie was a very intro introspective or whatever the word is like look at himself as a as an artist and himself as a writer and a director and like showing the two extremes of how his brain works and like here's the beautiful this is what you pay for for Wes Anderson here's the gritty dirty you know behind the scenes stuff that you may or may not hear about and He's been making movies since when did Bottle Rocket come out? 95, 94, 95. So he's been making movies for like 30 years at this point, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm sure as a person he's grown and he's like, why did I act like I was a fucking dick that knew everything? Like, you know what I mean? Like I could be completely wrong, but it kind of felt that way, you know? Well, I also, and yeah, I'm not trying to shift gears in it because I, I I I agree with what you're saying. I think that there's definitely, I mean, you don't you don't stay in this type of you know industry with films and stuff without innovating a little bit or at least yeah. at least knowing knowing what you can do and excel in and just just pulling the trigger on that as hard as you can. Yeah. Um. But one of the things that also stood out. And I felt like it was a pretty crazy mirror, you know, mirror to the face of the world moment. And it only it only happens like I think maybe two or three times. And it's where they're sitting there and like the story is going on. And we're all, you know, you're engrossed in the whole idea of like, okay, lost the wife. All right. She's got ashes. Okay. Fair enough. Like this whole thing's playing out. Dude's kind of getting a second win with love through Scarlett Johansson. All right. I, moving on. Cool. But then all of a sudden you'll hear like an explosion. You're like, what was that? And they're like, oh, it's probably the bomb test. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, it, and it, it's reflective of like now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when you think about the way the state of the world is now, everybody's just going right along just yeah. to the beat of their own drum, but like out on the, like off in the horizon. That bomb was riding some on rip- a train. It was like, do not detonate. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like some really serious, yeah, some super serious shit's going on. But nobody's really paying it as much mind. They know it's there. But instead of like, hey, why does that shit keep going? Like, don't we need to go see what the fuck's going on? Or don't we need to get the fuck out of here? Now, let me ask you guys something. Because out, out of two watchings... I wasn't able to find something that 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 made me go okay. I dispelled it. So we see how everything is presented in the movie, where it's all perfect. Everything looks nineteen fifties. The asteroid city looks like a recreation of a test town that people just somehow inhabit. When they're giving the speech in the crater, you see on the poster above Jeffrey Wright, you see nineteen fifty five. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he's talking about the meteorite hitting and crashing, he says in the year 3007. So that made me wonder 
from the very first watch to now, when is this taking place? And maybe it's purposely like times like supposed to be irrelevant. But I was trying to get a grip on what the setting was for the movie, but that always threw me for a loop because it always made me guess like, all right, is it like are they in, are they occupying Asteroid City because it's the only town left? Like 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 for real, real I guess you know. That was BC. That's what the sign said. That's just so, but yeah, even, but even with that, and I, and, and, and I took that, BC. I, and I, I did take that into account, but like, that's just so, it's such a random thing to throw out there. Well, you know, it, like it, it falls into that whole pretentious nature. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, of course, going to put something like that in there. You know, why wouldn't I? Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really notice that or pay much attention to that. I was just too, I was too like, what the fuck is happening? Like mouth breathing because everything moves. Like the shots linger, but at, when everybody's talking and doing shit, it's moving at breakneck speed, and it's just like, what the fuck are we doing right now? Like you have these people having a conversation over the course of like. 45 seconds yeah something that would normally take like two minutes in in a in a non-wes anderson movie they're having this conversation in 45 seconds they're just hammering it out hammering it out hammering it out and then cut to a shot where the camera's going to pan around and show some beautiful stuff while you're processing what the fuck this conversation was you know like it's like being on an edible yeah exactly it's like a wes anderson movie yeah, well, it's yeah. the way everyone's talking to each other, well, like looking straight at you, talking to you, you know. To, to like, add what? to the, what's he saying? To <laughs> add to the edible bit, uh, that photo of Wes Anderson you dropped at him. I feel like, I feel like if if I was to go and just like trip my balls off mm-hmm. on some like hardcore psychedelic, like when you peak. Everything would go white, oh. and then Wes Anderson would just step in the frame. That's what like happens that when you do like, DMT. Yeah, he'd be like, Wes oh. Anderson shows up. He'd be like, Oh, you picked the hardcore variety. <laughs> yeah. That fucker looks like Willy Wonka. Yeah, or, or like a, or a highly, or like Tilda Swinton on a, with a lot of testosterone. Yeah. Or maybe just a little. Bill Murray <laughs> was not going to be outdone, though, on that day. Yeah, right. He's like, Wes is going to be there. I got to fucking. I need play all play <laughs> Dude, that's that's the look of a face of a man that, that that could only say, "I'm the only one that can lock Bill Murray in every time." Yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't in there, and that's why I'm gonna have to give it a half star, dude. Hey, he was supposed to be in it, was Ooh, he? Oh, was let he? me show you. Oh, oh man, this you is, don't this... know. No, oh, good, good, good game. Changer. What's that? What? So Bill Murray was going to play the Steve Carell part. Wow. But this is what they claimed. Three days before they started filming, he got COVID. Oh, that's when it was. Uh, It wasn't the COVID, man. It wasn't the COVID. Dude, if Bill Murray gets COVID, you wait a week. I mean, dude, they could have shot all that other shit. It ain't like Steve Carell was in the entire movie. You know so, what it's about. Same so, reason he got cut out of that other movie. 
Man. Yeah, that's... And I kept waiting for him because I saw this image. Yeah. I knew Bill Murray was going to be in this movie. Well, he's in all of them, right? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Half star. That's fucking wild. He would have... Steve Carell did a great job. Sure. Don't get me wrong, but... We ain't Bill Murray. It's Bill Murray. Apple, <laughs> Apple orange, or what was that third one he does? Uh, apple, yeah. orange, or tomato. Yeah. It feels like he completely rewrote the part because the picture of Bill Murray looks like he's the mayor of Astro or a sheriff or something, you know? Like... Yeah. And Steve Carell, which they, he might've just cut that, that part completely out of the movie. Like, because you see, it does look like the mayor. See the pin on his shirt. Yeah. It's an yeah. asteroid fallen. Yeah. So. I mean, I he wonder... was on set. I wonder if they filmed his parts and well, then cut it out. The article says that he got COVID three days before filming. Well, what the fuck is this? Yeah. He's on set. There's, there's no way they're doing screen yeah, time. Yeah, nah. You know what I mean? Not like, all that shit. Hell no. Not in the middle of Not the hot-ass desert. No. Who knows? Maybe in the future we'll get like a, an extended cut with the with the Murray parts, you know? Or, I don't know. But... That sucks, man. It would have been great to have him in there. Could you imagine him and Jeffrey Wright? Like, if he's the mayor of Asteroid City and Jeffrey Wright is the fucking... there, I'm sure there was this whole subplot thing going on where Bill Murray's pissed off because the government's that... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that would have been great. Them two going back and forth would have been fucking phenomenal. But, whatever. I enjoyed the movie. I feel like I need to watch it more, but I, I don't really feel that way about a lot of the Wes Anderson movies though. This is the, I think this is the first one that I've ever watched where I'm like, I need to go back and revisit this. Well, and well, not necessarily in that style, but this is, this is the first live action. I'll say, uh, Wes Anderson film that I've been like, I'll happily revisit it. Because prior to this, uh, the two movies I liked the most by him, which, I mean, it's not shitting on any of his other films by any means, but I thought Isle of Dogs and Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox, I thought those those movies were great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't well, seen the, the French Dispatch yet. That's the only one. I haven't seen I that or Grand Budapest. I've seen that one. Whoa. It's grand. <laughs> Well, the the ones that I would always revisit was Life Aquatic and um, Moonrise Kingdom. I, I thought Moonrise Kingdom was just so, it was so fucking funny. Those kids like fucking, like, I don't know. It was just funny. Um, those were the two that I would, that I would always revisit. And like, I watched Bottle Rocket. Dude, you remember when Crackle was first a thing? Mm-hmm. I saw Bottle Rocket on there, and I saw that it had Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, and the dude that plays Frank from fucking Donnie Darko, that plays the rabbit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to check this out. Had no idea. And I'd seen the Royal Tenenbaums at this time. I'd seen Life Aquatic. I'd seen uh, maybe even Moonrise. No, not Moonrise Kingdom, because there's quite a gap right there. Because um, I didn't watch Fantastic Mr. Fox until we did it on the pod. But I was like, oh, I'm going to check this out. 
and of course Rushmore had seen that. And I and I watched it and I was like, this is a fucking Wes Anderson. What the fuck? Like this is his first movie. And it was interesting watching, you know, his first you know, his Kevin Smith moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So But yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm gonna give it a star. I feel like yeah. there's more going on. Um yeah, so the news of the uh, absence of Bill Murray, that that was a shock to me because that's the thing. I didn't do any post or I didn't do any pre-research or post-research on the film either time. Um, but I'll give it a star, though, because I do think it is worthy of two and a half stars. It got a 2.2 on Google. It might be as lowest. People Which is about Bill Murray, dude. Nah, I'm just... No, I mean you're probably right. No, they probably no. Hey, come on, dude, hey, the way the world sure is, the way the world is, man. You think someone didn't look at that? And went Mm-mm. where the fuck is Murray? I'm yeah. not touching it. It ain't got Vankman in it. But yeah, it was. I'm gonna watch it again for sure, and I do want to go back and watch the other two that I haven't seen, just because you know. Mr. West Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a completely different. One of you has a future. The other does not. We got a little bit of movie news here. Y'all want to fucking hit it? Yeah. All right. Actors Guild to stop approving indie projects amid ongoing Hollywood strikes. So SAG-AFTRA has recently given an update on their roles for the ongoing strikes, revealing that they will no longer grant uh, interim agreements to independent projects that were created under a Writers Guild of America contract, as reported by Variety. Prior to the union's latest announcement, SAG-AFTRA have already given interim agreements to 207 independent projects, allowing them to continue production amid the ongoing strike. The interim agreements have been subject to some serious backlash by members of the union, with some arguing that they cause additional harm to the strike. In their update announcement released on Monday, SAG-AFTRA noted that these agreements were still an important element of our strike strategy, while adding that they were aware that some individuals still had questions and even concerns about its impact. Yesterday's message was SAG after his first modification in response to the backlash with the union stating that would no longer approve WGA created projects that planned to be produced in the U.S. The message reads, we will now exclude from the interim agreements any WGA covered uh, projects to be produced in the USA. We have been advised by the WGA that this modification will assist them and executing their strike strategy, and we believe it does not undermine the utility and effectiveness of ours. It's a win-win change. Well, I mean, didn't we, didn't we kind of cover a little bit about this last week where we were talking week about? Before. Yeah, where we were talking about the. Uh, well, no, we were just discussing the idea that it's like, all right, well, maybe this will be a, a big open door for for indie films to get on the rise and. Yeah. All of that, and this pretty much kicked that in the dick. Yeah. Well, the week before well, that, is when you read the article where they were going to allow it, mm-hmm. and and it's like, wait a minute, so you got a writer yeah. strike, but you're going to allow people to? No. Yeah. You don't make nothing. 
Yeah. No movies, no shows, and we mean it. Well, they, they went on to say here that this means that going forward for productions taking place in the U.S., SAG, SAG-AFTRA will only grant interim agreements for non-WGA-covered projects, and our staff will continue to investigate each application for an interim agreement to ensure only true independent productions are included. The union's update shows a further sense of solidarity with the WGA strike, which started on May the 2nd, while the WGA strike's rules prohibits its members from offering writing services. Those guidelines do not stop WGA-covered scripts from being produced. The union's message continued. We We created the interim agreement for several reasons, all of which are aimed at protecting the interests of our members and members of sister unions, so so that journeymen performers and crew may continue to work and pay their bills while demonstrating to the AMPTP that independent producers are eager to work with our members under these terms. They added, the strike action is evolving each day. We are adapting in real time to continue protecting our members while collaborating with our sister unions and fighting for our common cause. SAG-AFTRA wrapped things up by saying SAG-AFTRA continues to support the Writers Guild of America in its fight to achieve a fair and equitable contract. And we continue to urge independent producers to apply for an interim agreement and encourage SAG-AFTRA members to work on projects that obtain approval along with all other permissible work we support. The union's update will not... The union's... The union's update will not impact the 207 projects already granted interim agreements. To receive approval from SAG-AFTRA, producers need to show that they aren't receiving compensation from companies within the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Those attempting to get approval must also accept the terms stated by SAG-AFTRA prior to the announcement of the strike. So they they basically was like, okay, we can greenlight 207 projects then we can cut it off at the head and then we can force people into or attempt to force people into agreeing to these uh these interim agreements in order to to keep things moving that at least that's kind of how it seems yeah and it also seems like they're cutting off loopholes so that things because if if you can you know if you can if if you're trying to stonewall somebody and that person can see a crack in the wall, that's what they're going to work on to fucking break it down. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that, that's, that's going to cause, that's what that, that'll be is it's like, you know, you know, we're not going to, and I guess in like more condensed way, man, like, you know, when we said we did, we weren't going to work, we meant it, you know? Yeah. Well, my thing is, is like, what's stopping them from going to Mexico or Canada now? Oh, yeah. I mean, there'll always be some sort of get around, but it's just going to be whether you want to, like, if you have the expend the expenses to, to do so. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe a five to ten person skeleton indie crew, that might be a realistic thing that they could absolutely do, but like, you know... A Wes Anderson picture getting picked up and moved like that on the dime, nah, ain't yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. And plus, yeah, SAG, the... after, SAG after sounds like something you'd see a commercial for for like, like it's like an antidepressant. It's like people who suffer from SAG yeah. after. Pull your pants up, yeah. boy. You know. Yeah. But My simply... question is, how how long do you think do you think the studios are in it for the long haul? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at, at a certain point, there's going to have to be, because we talked about this, if they cut off producing anything for for the next year, five years even, there's enough content to still tide people over until stuff can start being made. Yeah, until the economy gets better too, you know? Well, I've yeah, seen, that could I've, be I've seen, I've seen multiple interviews of different, different actors, different writers from all the different genres and all that stuff. And they've all kind of had that same, they've all kind of echoed the same thing where they're like, I mean, there's like, we're now at the point now where, you know, people, you know, when you cut on a streaming service, you're like, what the fuck do I watch? Like, there's so much, like, you don't know where to start. That's always my problem. I don't like to pick unless I already know what I'm going there to see. Yeah. I don't want to pick like other people. They're involved because yeah. I'm like, well, I know what I like. They're like, yeah. put a good movie yeah. on. I'm like, well, my definition of a good movie might be a little different than yours. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you pick? Well, this my- is this is gonna yeah, this is gonna force consumers to actually finally sit down and watch a bulk of what's out there. Right, but our will studios. No, I was just gonna throw this on there. Like, will studios? Do you think they'll start pulling? Because they Disney's already started doing that. Yeah. Uh, and do you think other streaming services and other other people will start pulling content just because? Like, they can pull content. Like, Netflix could pull everything down except for their own produced stuff and say yeah, the hell with this but, shit. Yeah, and for, yeah, they absolutely could. But they could also, but they would lose a ton of revenue now, like, because of that. Well, Disney just lost almost $600 million. Oh yeah, yeah. And, I, and I mean, dropping I mean, Disney Plus, and I mean, we could do a whole episode That's on the dumpster fire that is Disney. Yeah, like right. that. There, there's like this. This is a drop in the bucket compared to what Disney's dealing with right now. Yeah. So we'll see how this continues to morph, but I mean, I don't know. You know, the fat needed to be trimmed a little bit, in my opinion, and they need to. Uh, I think the writers as well as the studios need to sit down and do a complete re- reevaluation of what is absolutely necessary, what is good, what is not good, what is just being produced just for the sake of producing content. And I think that something like this, this is, you know, this is World War Three for, for entertainment, you know, like especially, you know, for uh, movies and and all that kind of stuff, TV shows. So it's like maybe you know maybe a, a, the great cleansing needed to happen. I mean, I don't want movies and TV and all that stuff to stop, and I don't think that it ever will stop. But I do feel like that there is a lot of chuffa out there, and there's also well, a lot of chuffa in the workplace too. So well, I mean, there's also a lot of gems that are out there that get overlooked and. A lot of things that deserve a chance that aren't given a chance. And I know that, I know that for me, and I feel like maybe you guys have this, have a similar problem and perhaps a lot of other people do too. And it's the common problem of, oh man, I have such a backlog of things to watch and people are throwing recommendations at you on top of that. You have your own personal preferences all of this stuff and on top of all of that 
they're just constantly feeding. Oh, oh, well, here, here's the next big show that comes out. Well, man, I just started this one show that got uploaded like last week, and you know, it's not 2020 where we're all locked in our homes again to just sit and watch TV and pick our noses at it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it just it it's it. it there's, I mean. It, it's a it's a odd level of uncertainty when you start to think about it, but at the same time, I think kind of like what we've we've all kind of talked about before is it's like you know there's just there's just so much out there to watch. Well, this time yeah. is different. That this yeah, is the eighth but, time that it's happened. But if you remember, that last really big time was like when Conan was on late night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Well, it was when we and got then, season three of Lost. Yeah, this is the first time, um, you know, the actors got in on it this time. And this is the first time they've gone on a strike in 43 years. Which is nuts. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll see We'll see what comes of everything. But, yeah, it's, well, it's very we, interesting. And I, I know we got to move on, but I know uh, with with it being significant with the actors... And and I wonder even with the riders, I wonder if there's a moment in all of this where maybe there's a handful of them that just wake up and they're just like, God damn it, why'd I join that fucking union? Like, well, you, I mean, you kind of get forced into doing it. Yeah. Right? I mean, so I you guess can't there's, get on I mean, certain projects if you're not. Yeah. You have to be in the union. Well, it's like your, it's like your serve safe certification for acting. Or writing. Yeah. yeah. Did you pay your like, sack yes. fees? <laughs> like, yes, I can do it. It's a way of looking at it on paper and go, yes, I can do my job. Yeah. So. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how everything shakes out, man. It's, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Next up here, Guy Ritchie releases legal defense in the gentleman plagiarism lawsuit. I didn't even know this was the thing. I don't think we covered this. Yeah. So director Guy Ritchie has recently denied allegations from a recent lawsuit that claims Ritchie broke contract agreement with the uh, film The Gentleman. Ritchie is best known for his fast-paced action films like Snatch, Sherlock Holmes, The Man from Uncle, Wrath of Man, and The Covenant. Uh, One of his most acclaimed films, The Gentleman, is currently involved in a plagiarism lawsuit where former friend Mickey DeHara claims Richie copied his script for the film. The Gentleman, we already know what that is because we watched it. Mickey DeHara and Richie were close friends in the 90s as DeHara was cast in Snatch. The lawsuit was submitted in April this year in London's High Court, and DeHara argues that Richie stole plot points and characters from his unmade 2008 gangster sequel film, The Real Rock and Rolla, and used them in The Gentleman. Additionally, DeHara says that The Gentleman was a reproduction of a subtle part of rock and rolla. DeHara also claims that the gangster sequel was based on his life. Rock and Rolla was released 11 years before The Gentleman and follows a group of criminals who seek out a, for- seek out a fortune created by a Russian mobster hmm. uh, through a real estate scam. The film stars Gerard Butler, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the 54-year-old director has filed a counterclaim defense that denies using DeHara's uh, rock and roll script and that he hired DeHara to write the gentleman's script. In addition to their collaboration in Snatch, Richie alleges that in 2006, DeHara was paid 
25,000 euros to act as a sounding board and provide antidotes for creative inspiration during Richie's screenwriting sessions. Richie also says that many of DeHair's antidotes were heavily influenced uh, for heavy, heavily influential for the final screenplay of the gentleman. His defense team alleges that the director made the film because of the lack of modern gangster films in Hollywood, not because of DeHair's script. Uh, Richie believed that rock and roll type gangster movies were not generally being made at that time. And as far as he was concerned, those who had tried had failed. They also argued that WGA and WGGB guidelines states writers can be can only be officially credited if they contributed 33 or more percent of the script. Mm-hmm. The defense alleges Dahara contributed below 5%. Guy Ritchie's defense was initially delayed in May after a court order due uh, to prospects of the two parties negotiating an out-of-court settlement. The negotiations have since fallen through, and Dahara wishes for credit on the gentleman and $250,000 in restitution. The lawsuit will continue until a verdict is negotiated uh, or negotiation is reached. A small screen spinoff of the gentleman is currently in development. Well, I mean, you're looking for 250 k in restitution Mm. against Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I don't think. Like, didn't you aim a little low there? Yeah. Well, he was probably hoping he would just get it. Right. But it's like, ugh. But, but it also He's going to have receipts that he paid this guy for his little taglines. Well, I mean, it also, well, it also would say, uh, I mean, I guess if you just want what's yours and you aim for a number like that, especially if you figure in what the movie made, who it stars, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, dude could be. I mean, it could be a legit lawsuit. But where's all the other people that he's fucked over? Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah. If but, he's but, that kind but, of guy, where's everybody else? But doesn't but does it really truly warrant having multiple instances to prove his case for this, though? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think, yeah, like if he's if he's good at doing this type of like swindling. Obviously, he's done it before, yeah. so that begs you know begs the question. But I mean, maybe this could so have just this been the guy one time he did it, and he played I mean, in one. He was in Rockerola. He played Turbo, two thousand eight. Yeah. That's his. That's it. That's all he's ever yeah. done. Well, right here, um, there's a an article here from DailyMail dot com from two thousand and eight. Script advisor for Guy Ritchie's new mob movie on hundred thousand euro cocaine and cannabis charge so guy ritchie's script advisor on his new gangster film rock and roll has been charged with possession more than a hundred thousand euros worth of cocaine and cannabis with intent to supply so holy shit you know yeah right so um i mean he was the script advisor it was probably a package deal or he worked something out where it's like help me with rock and roll you have a contract yeah, and there was a um there there was rumors going around at one time that they were going to do a sequel to Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. Uh and that never happened. And I remember reading like some of the articles about it and it and it sounded very much like you know some of the gentleman type things. So I was like, okay, so they he morphed that into the gentleman instead of Gerard Butler cuz you know Gerard Butler blew up 
as yeah. like the heartthrob. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So trying to get him locked into a Guy Ritchie movie, like a gangster Guy Ritchie movie, I'm sure was is not the easiest thing in the world to do. But anyway, so I don't know. It's weird. And like, if I'm Guy Ritchie, just fucking settle out of court. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, maybe he doesn't want to because he doesn't feel like he has. I mean, if he's, there's a contract. Right. And it says he paid him, you know, 25,000 euros in 2006. And this guy's coming yeah. back now like, that's my life. Guy Ritchie's like, net worth is $150 yeah. million. I mean, he could afford I mean, it, but. Well, I mean, that, you know, you, I mean, you make a good point, Adam. It's a long it's time like, ago, right? It's a long time to suddenly be like, man, you fucking made a lot of money yeah. off my life. I need 250000 like, That's it? Yeah. I mean, if that movie made a shit ton of money, wouldn't you want more? Yeah. Well, I mean, naturally, the piece of pie should be bigger. But, yeah, we'll we'll see how that that goes. But that's crazy, though, man. And it's it's kind of a it's kind of a genius idea because he in that one article, it said that he met um, uh, Maki Dehara seven years before he started working on Rock and Roller. So 2008 was whenever he so in around 2001, which would have been around the time of like Snatch, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels was like. 98 99 something like that and then snatch came out a couple years after that so he met him seven years ago they probably became friends and he was telling him all these stories and he's like dude i want to hire you to just like hang out i'll give you 25k yeah and tell me stories and like give me funny scenarios and stuff i would fucking do that for 25k well it's almost like it's almost like Guy Ritchie got caught up in his own kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That could Where's be my true. fucking money. Yeah. So that's crazy, man. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it is. I know it's been a hot minute since we've seen the gentleman, but so even even the the version of the film that we got and everything. So, gentleman is more or less a spiritual sequel to rock and roll even now yeah so from what i remember reading because like they said in this article it was going to be them going against this this person that ran this marijuana business in the uk and he basically like they were going to be trying to get the money from that dude he was going to be the quote-unquote bad guy Uh you know um, and he reworked it. He's like, well, no, let's, let's yeah. focus so on the stuff. The guy yeah. put in on rock and roll. Uh, okay. Got put in this movie. Fucking, you know, okay. I'm starting to remember later. now. Cause I, cause I was looking at the, the photo here, the thumbnail and I'm like, I, I know we watched it. And I was like, Oh, this is the one where McConaughey plays the American overseas. It's like, I have the largest fucking weed grow operation. Pot, man. I'm the fucking I'm, line. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's like, I'm, I'm dipping out and I'm looking for a successor. Yeah, yeah. So, and and from what I remember, and I may be wrong about this, but yeah, the rock and roll was supposed to be, you know, Gerard Butler, and then they were going to bring um, Tom Hardy back and some of those other characters back, and they were going to be going up against this pot farmer that had these underground pot farms, and that's, you know, 
that's what the gentleman like he's you know but he's the good guy if you you know what mm-hmm. however you want to look at it so he kicks he kicks a, a, a federal agent into a cell and goes this is cannabis and he just yeah yeah fucking just like chest kicks him you know so i haven't watched the gentleman in a while i need to go back and watch it i haven't watched the man from uncle either and i've been wanting to watch that it's got um henry cavill in it so we we might have to throw that on the list. So next up here, Glenn Howerton shares Lex Luthor fan art. Fans now want him in Superman Legacy. I thought this was kind of a funny thing. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Star Glenn Howerton has shared fan art of himself as the iconic DC supervillain Lex Luthor, sparking rumors and cries for the actor to star as the character in the upcoming Superman reboot, Superman Legacy. Sharing the art of at Clements.inc to his Instagram story, it's impossible to deny that Howerton cuts a threatening figure as Luthor. With the actor's penchant for arrogance and untethered rage could suit the character well. Check out what he shared below. Um, it's a clip from Blackberry. Oh yeah, right, yeah. dude. I would be okay with that. Well, oh yeah. What's funny? What's funny is how every time there's a superhero movie that comes out, somewhere down the production or the speculation trail, there's a sunny and always sunny in Philadelphia casting for it. Yeah, right. Like it, it just seems like there's always something that that gets brought up that deals with one of those three core actors. Yeah, um, always. <laughs> <laughs> no Philadelphia intended. I mean, I would be all right with that. He like, yeah. I mean, at this point, at this point, man, I mean, when it comes to DC without fucking jumping down that whole fucking can of worms, at this point, man, Warner Brothers is just spinning a wheel or just putting on a blindfold and throwing darts at the wall. Well, the casting that they've done for Superman Legacy that we know of so far has been pretty good. So I think that... I I think. I don't mean it in good, good or bad terms. I just mean it as in like, yeah, I, I could give a shit about the who and how now, like, just give me results. Right. What, and what if that's, uh, he's holding out, like they announced who Superman was, they announced who Lois was, and then all those other characters that they announced the actors for, what if he's holding out the Lex stuff for the trailer or for the movie itself? I, I, I would, I would really appreciate a a hero film where, yeah, where where some things aren't revealed. <laughs> yeah, like don't like don't show us the big you know, the big cameo or the big you know. Oh man, they're gonna do this in this movie. It's like save that, save that for the experience. Yeah. So we got two Deadpool pull articles back to back here so i'm going to run through both of these so we can uh hit it hard so new deadpool 3 rumors tease a real multiverse of madness so will the rumors continue so deadpool 3 had to pause had to pause its production due to the current strikes ongoing at hollywood but that doesn't stop new rumors about the upcoming mcu movie from surfacing online 
Uh, both Reynolds and director Sean Levy, uh, who have worked together in previous projects like Free Guy, know pretty well this movie needs to be something unforgettable. But it also has to keep the tone that made the first two Deadpool films a huge hit. And to do that, it seems like they're delivering a crazy story. New video from The Disinsider on YouTube has unveiled new list of cameos reported to be featured in the film, and it's wild. So at this time, this is all unconfirmed. Let me repeat that. All unconfirmed before this blows up on Twitter, and sorry X again. But a lot of these names we have heard from multiple sources. Brian Cox as William Stryker, Halle Berry as Storm, Owen Wilson as Mobius, uh, Femke Jensen, I don't know how to pronounce her first name, as Jean Grey, Louis Tan as Shatterstar, Channing Tatum as Gambit, Ben Affleck as Daredevil, Taylor Swift as Dazzler, Taryn Edgerton as Different Wolverine, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Tara Strong as Miss Minutes, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, uh, Daphne Keene as Laura Hallett, a.k.a. X-23, Rebecca Romjan as Raven, Julian McCone as Dr. Doom, Patrick Stewart as Professor X, and Ian McKellen as Magneto. Again, these are all unconfirmed, but it would be insane if everybody was just in this movie. I mean, can we acknowledge that as fucking weird as it sounds, Taylor Swift as Dazzler is actually a pretty fucking good pick? It's kind of a genius pick, to be honest. Like, I mean, it, first off, first off, no one is going to know who the fuck Dazzler is. No, anymore. no dude. <laughs> but it's I mean, great, I mean, though. I mean, there will, but like every, like even the people who know more about Dazzler than just surface level shit, like even those people, they're in like their forties at this point. Like, yeah, that's when Dazzler was getting printed, you know? Yeah, right. So. But dude, if they if they pull Taylor Swift as Dazzler, I might legitimately shit a brick in the theater. Because I'm trying That's to remember, what, isn't her? Isn't the whole thing? Because it's what makes it genius is that she's able she's to create. She's well, yeah, she's able to create like constructs with her voice. She, she's able to take like vibrations and turn them yeah. into energy beams. So, so I mean, she's, she's gonna sing. She's, yeah, she's gonna sing "Shake It Off" and dodge bullets with it. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a genius thing. So, but on the second part of the news, so D- Deadpool three has reportedly been removed from Disney's calendar of upcoming releases. So even when Deadpool three was one of the few upcoming releases from Marvel Studios that actually managed to be pushed up instead of pushed back, setting its debut date for May of twenty twenty four, the latest adventure from the Merc with a Mouth could now be delayed due to the current situation in Hollywood. Right after the merge between 20th Century Fox and Disney was already completed, Marvel Studios didn't hesitate on announcing that Ryan Reynolds' Wade Wilson would be one of the many characters that would join the MCU in the near future, along with Fantastic Four. The actor wanted to make sure his debut within the MCU would be unforgettable, so he convinced his longtime friend Hugh Jackman to play Wolverine one more time in Deadpool 3. Just a few weeks after the film, uh, directed by Sean Levy, uh, started shooting, the actor strike began, so production had to be shut down until the conflict is solved. Uh, for now, it seems unlikely. For now, that seems unlikely. So many studios are considering delaying some of their upcoming releases because the movies or TV shows may not be done by the time they need them to be. And Deadpool 3 could be part of that list. According to a new calendar for Disney's upcoming theatrical releases published by comicbook.com, 
The third film from the Merc with a Mouth saga is missing from the list. Um, the movie is also rumored to include, oh, the cameo thing. Um, so the upcoming theatrical releases that they do have from Disney and 20th Century Fox is Haunting in Venice uh, in September, The Creator in September, The Marvels in November, Next Goal Wins in November, Wish in November, The Bike Riders in December, Magazine Dreams, Poor Things, All of Us Strangers, Elio, Snow White in March twenty March twenty second, twenty twenty four, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes in May the twenty fourth, twenty twenty four, and Inside Out two June the fourteenth. So I mean, if that's true and they've removed it, which I mean they pulled it up, like I think that they were like a week or two out from finishing the movie. Whenever they whenever things got shut down, if I'm if I remember correctly, so. It's almost like one of those things where it's like, dude, can we make an exception for Deadpool? They're using <laughs> it as like a fucking bargaining chip, you know? Like, uh, yeah, we'll just I shut know. down Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Pull it's like, it. fuck you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, bro, fucking hmm. Deadpool, man. If you think I don't have Ryan Reynolds on fucking speed dial, buddy, you are wrong. Yeah. I also heard there was an emergency meeting um, planned for the people at Disney because the that Snow White chick keeps going around saying shit, and it's like there's been a lot of backlash about it. Yeah. And they might, you know. Oh, dude, yeah. she's making Brie Larson's press yeah, for Captain Marvel look like fucking, like, child's play. We'll see. Well, you know, sometimes when you got a platform, you got to use it. But do you? People think you do. I love how we live in a world where, like, everybody, everybody, everybody feels like that they need to put their opinion out there. And it's like, bro, just, I don't care. Like, legit, man. I don't care who you are or what you're doing. I don't care. Well, the main thing was when they asked her. You know, what's the difference in the animated series and this one? She's like, well, it's not 1937, so. But there's not going to be a prince. Mm. It's about being a strong woman. And, you know, no oh, sleeping so beauty man. situation. So Macho Man Randy Savage is playing Snow White. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get over here and kiss me, brother. You know, <laughs> strong man. Ooh, the cream of the crop. Yep. Cream always rises to Dean the top. Gene you know. Well, I mean, it's it's almost like it, at first they were like, "All right, let's let's be woke and not tell them." That didn't work. All right. Well, let's be let's be more blatantly woke. That's not working. Well, let's just tell them it's woke. Yeah, let's lose. More That's money. really not working. <laughs> and what's sad is the word woke went from being a term that used to be a good was thing. legit. That was legit, and now it's just now now it's replaced the word stupid. I mean, that's one way to look at it. Because, come on, if you think woke has any connection 
to the legitimate issues that are going on in society today. If you think it's still attached to that, people haven't been paying attention, yeah. man. Well, dude, it's like, like, there's a, there's, like, we're on the verge of World War Three, but they're worried about putting little people in Snow White. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the little people are angry. They're pissed. They're like, this is yeah. our chance. I saw several videos. Yeah. Peter like, what the fuck? Yeah. People are upset. Now it's just going to be a bunch of dudes. Literally. Y'all know that meme where the girl's sitting on the couch? The Looking popper. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm ready for trailers, though. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready. So I wasn't able to preview any of these trailers. I did them on my phone. The power went out earlier. Had to... A tree fell on the power lines and they had to come out. It didn't break them, but they had to. At the at home base? Um, Over there. Oh. Where at, I was at. at. At Secret Hideout. Yeah. Oh, I got you. I don't want to say well, the address. Or at least they got it taken care of, though, yeah. right? Oh, I busted the laptop out and had a speaker. I was like, we can still watch TV. <laughs> I'll have to sit here in silence. You were like, I've prepared for this moment for 15 and a half years. Where's my bag? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that there's not a fucking super, super generator hooked up. We're talking about it. I mean, that's I'm trying to get Marina to let me hook the car battery up if something like that happens, but she ain't about it, you know? Yeah, gas company's coming out next week. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. But anyway, you guys ready? Maestro? Yep. Bradley Cooper. All right. oh, I, th- I thought it was a foreign. Never mind. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> he went on Hollywood. Yeah, all right. right. Three, two, one, play. Was that him doing the voice? Yeah, see. Mm-hmm. Are so they grounding? I think so. Maestro. Someone's about to get their heart straight. Fucking broke. Dude, why is he so old now? I wonder if it's something he did with her and then she died. <laughs> Two little ducks in a pool. like us, a pair. Wait, did it say directed by Bradley Cooper? Hold on. Are there partridges with this pear tree? Yeah, directed by Bradley Cooper, written by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer. 
Ooh. I mean, he looks like he just stepped right off the set of Inside the Actor Studio, man. Produced by Martin Scorsese, Bradley Cooper, Steven Spielberg, Fred uh, Berner, Amy Durning, Christy Makasko, Krieger. Like he wrote it, directed it, and okay, starred in it. That, that makes me a little bit more interested in it for sure. It looks like, um, Whiplash, but with less abuse. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know. What's funny oh, is it's funny that you mentioned inside the actor studio. There's no clip of him. Asking a question at Inside the Actor Studio. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he's talking to Robert De Niro, I believe. I think that's Sean Penn. Oh, what was yeah, one of them old fuckers. You remember he asked, he's like asking him a question about acting. Funny. Remember that show? It was like, What's your favorite sound? Yeah. <laughs> Laughter. <laughs> sound of flatulence. That's okay. Uh <laughs> Crying babies. <laughs> They're like, fucking around with smacking ass cheeks. Playing them with bongos. We got some Tiffany Haddish going on. Man, I ain't ready. You're on three, two, one, play. Plan B. So we can get rid of it. I mean... I think we saw a teaser to this. Oh, yeah. Put the paddles down. Such a weird. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm I'm into it, but it's just such a weird idea. So I, I don't know if you guys saw the first one, but I did. No, I haven't watched the first one, it's but funny. I heard good things about it. Yeah, it's yeah, a silly I, ghost. I think my brother watched it, and he said it was good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. Right. I'm ready. Three, two, one, play. Oh, God. Like, everything goes wrong. I actually liked that it was this guy, not Kevin Hart. Peter File. <laughs> Dude, in the first one, they go hunting with her dad. It's the weekend of the wedding. 
<laughs> and he's like freaking out. And he's like, here, eat this. And it's mushrooms. <laughs> he eats them and he's like, it's all right. I'm going down the rabbit hole with you. So they're both just tripping, trying to hunt. No. Boofing. Look who it is. Holy shit. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That wave. <laughs> Why didn't they release a red band trailer? They they dropped the ball on that. They should have yeah. released No nah, man. No nah, man, keep those moments for like to just come out of nowhere. It'll be even funnier. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. El Con Is it a foreign? Oh yeah. But Oh Spanish, okay. Well, it's Texan. He's a very foreign, okay? I cut the subtitles on, you know? I think it has them. The yeah. subtitles? Okay. There's tittles. There's t- <laughs> it's got tittles? Good to know. What type of show? All right. Three, two, one, play. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Right. What the fuck? It's like a Spanish version of Wes Anderson and Cohen Brothers. If they made a movie for A24.
What the fuck is happening? That's why I, said, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, mean, it's Spanish, I mean, it's Spanish Dracula. I mean, I want to watch spatula? it. Don't get me wrong, but what the fuck was that? I mean, it's spatula. I mean, Dracula. Spatula. <laughs> I will flip your eggs. <laughs> I would be Carl Robinson. <laughs> I'll pop it and check yeah, that out, maybe. It might be good for foreign film February. I mean, it's in it's in that uh, it's in that I'm a I'm a cut above aspect ratio. <laughs> Here we have a. Uh, let me put you in my pocket. Michael Pena. Some people try to grab volcano. <laughs> what do you say? Some people say I can walk on water. <laughs> what the fuck? A million miles away. All right. Three, two, one, play. Was this 99, 91? What it looks mm-hmm. like. Damn. I'd have got up and walked out, dude. Thought this was gonna be a comedy. Yeah, right. Hammer be back. The chick in the movie. This old battle angel. Alita? Yeah. She kind of gives me like... uh, I think it'll be good. Yeah. She kind of has vibes like Marissa Tomei. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know why. I get that. It's the hair. It's the eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I don't want to get on that. With a little bit of Selena's. Yeah, I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Uproar. This has got old fucking Darby in it. Really? Yeah. New Zealand dude? Uh, Yeah. 
All right. Three, two, one, play. I think this kid is from a. What's that movie? It's the kid from Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People. (laughs) I'm going to push you because I'm stupid. That dude's hilarious. Huh. <laughs> row. Is it? Don't look bad. Looks like a sad movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it don't look bad, though. This the has Con- fucking Will Gibson in it. Does it? Yeah. I saw a screenshot where it was like, it had this. It, it's one of those trailer things where it tells you one person's in the trailer, and it was Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I had no idea. Who the fuck idea. is he? He's showing up like I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> you know? Imagine uh, they show up. It says, it says here the three-part event will explore the origin behind the iconic hotel for assassin centerpiece of the John Wick universe. So it's going to be in the in the hellscape of 1970s New York. Mm. So 1970s three-part. So three hours. I mean, John Wick... Four was fucking four hours yeah. long. They should have just put it out as a movie. I don't know it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm ready. Fucking check this thing out. All right. Three, two, one, play. I think this is going to set up the spinoffs too. Like the. Yeah. You know.
No one remember. What was it? Winston. He's giving his like. Nobody fucked with me till I put on the mask. <laughs> that is him. Damn. He took the skeleton key. So we're just going to get Ian McShane's movie. What it seems like. Who's this? I get that. I like it. Seventies assassin. I'll tell you what, this movie's not gonna have bulletproof suits. Yeah, right. Wonder how many people are gonna get hit by cars. Damn. What? So the big question, I think this movie is going to show, I mean, how it's basically a movie, but, um, how does the table fit into this? Yeah, exactly. Because if they're going up against the Continental, I mean, they would have been executed, right? Yeah. And I mean, or they... is it, or 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 is it a case of they take out the Continental, the table shows up and goes, "Y'all are the only motherfuckers to ever do this. Uh, we have the ability to wipe all of you out. You guys can either fill the positions." Or, you know, yeah, fill the positions and make sure this never happens again. And then it ends on a note where McShane's like, mm, as long as you don't make me go excommunicado, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's why they started a lot of the rules and stuff. <clears throat> well, like I mean, then- yeah, because I mean, they're obviously fighting on continental grounds. So, yeah, that rule clearly is not in effect yet. Yeah sacred ground so i'm interested in checking it out it looks good and i like the dude that they cast for young winston Mm -hmm. so i think he was in like the purge tv series and a couple other tv series so he might break out i mean i have the mccalkin look to him kind of i know it's there firmly in the title that it's from the world of john wick but that being said, there's still going to be those random people that watch it having not watched the John Wick movies, yeah. what few of them there are. But 
I feel like obviously one is going to need to watch those movies or this is just going to be a big case of what the fuck. Like, like once the first over the top thing goes down, like people are going to tune it out. Right. Looks good though. Good. You're so not invited to my bar mitzvah. So (laughs) this is a happy Madison production. It's got, Adam Sandler in it, but he didn't write it or direct it. Mm. So well, we'll see. Take it with a grain. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get the preview. <laughs> All right, three, two, one, play. Mm. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we fought the Nazis. Are these really his kids? Maybe. Because if they're not, they're. <laughs> they can play them. Yeah, for sure. This I don't is think that movie's made for me. Nah, I don't know nothing about none of that. I'm not a. They're over there like bus, and I'm like, huh? Yeah, what is? Dude, somebody commented on one of. I, I want to know real quick from you. From from both of y'all, if this is a a diss or a compliment, like it's getting to that point. Let me hear. I spent some time around them. Somebody commented on one of my shorts on YouTube and said I look like a Discord moderator. That's not a good (laughs) thing to say, dude. 
I don't know. I was like, is that a good thing or a bad? The like, beard. The yeah. I don't know. I mean, you kind of do. I mean, you do moderate a Discord, so. I mean, but that's pro. I mean, that's but that ain't, that ain't like your life. No. You know. But nah, that's I was not just, a good thing, dude. He commented on it twice. Mm-hmm. Said the same it thing. Was like, yeah, and I was like. This is what I like, responded. Dude, he I, he commented, it didn't post, and he did it again. That's how serious it was. He's like. Yeah, yeah. So I commented on it, and I was like, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but thanks for the comment because it pushes the video to more viewers. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was like. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I needed a little bit of clarification there. Getting to that point now where yeah. I'm just like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Or... We're out of touch. I don't think it's as much as we're out of touch as we quit paying attention. You know what I mean? Well, I know, but yeah, yeah. Like I didn't know that bussing was a thing until not too long ago. You know, mm-hmm. and I was like. And I'm like bussing, like you're catching a bus. Uh, where are you going? <laughs> yeah. Are you bussing exactly. a whole crew there? Or yeah. No like bussing? what's happening? Uh-huh. They're like busting, but bussing. It's like, well, just say busting. I mean. Yeah. So, you know, I think I'm going to start doing that. Like whenever I'm live, like catch me up on the lingo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know if this is bad or not. Anyway, like, and I don't even feel bad about not knowing if it's good or bad. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like I pay income tax. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a small business owner. But yeah, the woman in the wall. All right, three, oh. two, one, play. Ireland? Thousands. Thousands of children. Oh. They're at the motherland, dude. (laughs) (laughs) She shot him a bird, too. Sergeant. (laughs) <laughs> Father Percy I mean, it's about time for the next Sybil. Mm. 
It's good to see they're making they're making movies in the motherland, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to go there so bad. Check this out. Anaconda 6 reboot? They're just calling it... <laughs> well, Why not, you know? <laughs> Dude, Anaconda... When did the first one come out? Like 90, 95, 96? Uh, maybe 98, 99, something. I, I don't know. I mean, is it time it to reboot 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a big snake. Like, what is there to... 97. It, it was a sci-fi movie before I'm just sci-fi. amazed that there's six of them. I mean, <laughs> I, I knew there were two. Yeah, right. Seen them both. My anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hon. Let's see if they got it. If they got buns? Let's do well, it. I mean, three, two, one, play. It says Columbia Pictures, Sony Pictures. <clears throat> The skeleton of John Voight steps out in that sweaty-ass red shirt and starts talking about snakes again. Mm-hmm. They got the big logo and I the mean, Paramount or Columbia logo. Ooh. It says a Sony company. I guess they bought it out. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm excited to watch them get eat the fuck up. Yeah. Bad. That was a weird transition. Who the fuck edited this trailer? Wait, the snake is setting traps, perimeters? I don't think this is a real trailer. <laughs> What? Like a ghost story. Nagini. Okay, so this ain't real. The reboot that's being worked on. That was still a fun minute and a half, though. Gonna have Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, she's in the original. Okay. They're going to fucking... They're going to bring her back? Is John Voight still alive? Who? Is John Voight still alive? Yeah. He's been blacklisted, but he's still alive. Oh, yeah, that's right. I bought John Voight's car. Anyway. (laughs) Three body problem. From the creators of Game of Thrones... Uh, oh, okay. Well, they didn't create it. They're making it, but got this from Trav. There's already China beat them to a series already, but would you say it's um, based off some books? Yeah, it's based on a uh, series of sci-fi books. The three-body problem is a concept that gets brought up when talking about the Fermi paradox. Um. And this, this, uh, in particular, it, what, um, what this, uh, series explores is what I, what I was able to, to gather on it 
is it covers the dark forest concept like do you let people know where you are and hope they don't fucking kill you or do you just go out into it guns blazing mm-hmm. the idea that like if you're in a forest and if you can lock out you know if you can see them they may not see you but they'll they will eventually yeah and yeah it just it looks like it could it looks like it might be pretty good the this books seem really incredible. Yeah, the book uh, I I haven't read them, but I know right now in a lot of the sci-fi community forums and stuff, anytime it gets brought up or I've, I've pulled it up, people are just gushing over it, like like in the same way they do over uh, the Expanse series. Okay, so just is for... this going to be a series? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y'all ready? Bet. Bussin. What? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a stroke. I don't know. Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, play. I brought him back. Okay. They got him too. We are going to shoot it. Fog. Hmm. Looks good. And see, the the funny thing about it is... um, I didn't even know this was going to be and like I heard about, I was I stumbled across the books which led me to realizing that it's getting an adaptation to Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I feel like had I not known the backstory a little bit or at least a little bit of context about it, you know, I feel like I would have completely disregarded it. Right, yeah. But apparently like the story has some pretty pretty intense moments and some pretty like crazy there's apparently a a moment in the book called the battle of the darkness or some shit like that like Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be this big thing that goes down and all this stuff i'm when i get back on the uh the book reading wagon uh this is probably gonna be a series i try to go or at least my book buying uh little periods that i get in I'll probably try to grab these because I need to start trying to get all of the expanse as well. Those that's that's two series I'm trying to 
to get because i mean with the with this particular story with three body i believe it's just three novels as opposed to like the expanse is like will a time level like yeah right like very multiple volumes hell yeah dude so there's a chinese series you know that's complete you can go watch it um 30 episodes uh do you do you have to know where it's available no well google search might reveal that though gotcha we'll do a little digging 30 45 minute episodes in one season that's probably better that's kind of cool it makes me want to check that out just to see yeah Yeah. i wonder how it's going to contrast to the to the netflix i know they're not going to have 30 episodes oh yeah for sure yeah it's gonna be compressed and yeah all in one season done yeah that's crazy they don't fuck around. They're like, you want to binge watch the whole show? Yes. All right. Yogi. Is this Yogi Bear? Mm-mm. Oh. It's... I can't do it. Yogi? I was going to work violence in with Yogi, but... Violence, violence. But it's violence, y'all ready? Oh, yeah. Three, two, one, play. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that dude mm. hard. Who makes these trailers? Back to the movie. (laughs) I don't know if this was made in the early 2000s or the 90s. This trailer dropped three days ago. But this is the re-release. Is it? Oh. Yeah, 4K. Dude, his hair, it looks like the 80s. Yeah. Oh, they're releasing it in 4K. (laughs) 2007. Wow. It's actually on Netflix. Dude, this is what I wish the American, like, bargain bin movie. I wish this is what the movies were. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I crushed up all my marshmallows for you, mother. A feel that never ends. (laughs) (laughs) Yogi, 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 yogi. 
This is that movie that's playing at three o'clock on a Saturday when no one's watching TV. Movies for guys who like movies. (laughs) Yogi, 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 yo, yo. I don't know if anybody has any picks for next week, but I might have one. Yeah. I started watching that Bardo, False Chronicles. Of a handful of truths. Remember the trailer we watched? Yeah. I am the Eggman. It was playing that. So I start mm-hmm. watching this movie and this woman's on the table giving birth and she gives birth. And then the doctors are like holding the baby like they're listening to see if it's breathing. And then they start putting it back in the woman. And she's oh, like, What whoa. are they doing? And they're like, He said that the world's kind of fucked up and he wants to go back. Um, and, they, uh, and, they, and I cut it off and was like, I got to wait on this. Yeah, uh, down to watch. Down to watch. Um, but the woman was like, what? And they were like, yeah, just hold still. We're putting him back. <laughs> I was like, I may. Well, would, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'm down. I believe it's, it might be a foreign. I think it is. I mean that I mean in a weird way, that's Monty Python as hell. Yeah. Or now the trailer don't make sense. On. Yeah, no, nah, I was just yeah. skimming it. So it's the uh it's written by the guy who wrote Birdman. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I I wanna check this out. Yeah. We put it in um check it out, six sixteen twenty three. I think I stuck it in there. I thought it was in there. It was that yeah. night where I was asking you. I was like, "You remember that fucking trailer we watched?" Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah, trying yeah. to look for it and I couldn't find it. You were like, "It's the guy that did Birdman." I was like, Rrr. "Remember?" I remember. But yeah, let's do it, Bardo. Why is good with that? Then fucking check something out. Hit it. <laughs>